Hey guys, welcome to the Change Up Podcast. Josh and Chad here. This is where we talk about culturally relevant topics, but we look at them through an honest gospel worldview. Let's get it. What's up, Chad? What up, Josh? Dude, we we did it. Yeah, we're at the end. We have both successfully run, ran, run or ran? Ran. Ran for sure. Duh, I was just testing you. Uh, 44 miles in two days. Yeah. It's two marathons, almost. Yeah. And then we have our, we're recording this right before our Final four-mile run, victory lap, where family and friends are going to join us on that. Some will be running, walking, biking, and uh, just celebrating all that uh, God has done um, this weekend through the Amaya Project, celebrating all the support, um, and, and grateful for how the Lord's used this to supply our needs. You know, a lot of, a lot of money's come in, and That'll really help us continue to keep the ministry going and and be able to serve those who are in need of biblical counseling. That's good. Do you think it was worth it? Yeah. To <clears throat> for put sure. your body through the ringer like that? You know, I think it's always good to test yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that's just a good thing to do in life. Like each year, try something different that you've never done and... I was telling one of uh, one of the support runners who was with me. Um, I said, you know, one of the things I love about this is it really does parallel what a faithful life looks like in Christ. Because suffering's a real thing when you're dealing with your own sin. The the mental of renewing your mind, putting off, putting on, having to renew your mind in God's word and talk yourself through that, like what you believe and, and right. that warfare of spiritual warfare. And in in a way that kind of parallels when you're running, you're tired, you're sore, you're suffering. Mm-hmm. What really gets you through, especially those late night runs, is talking yourself through it. Telling yeah. yourself like it's okay. Like I'm not gonna die. I can keep pushing. You know, just the things that are true, because what your flesh is telling you is Stop, not worth it. <laughs> yeah. Go home, go to bed. Yeah, because most, you know, ultra marathon is anything over 26 miles. Yeah. And so this is kind of, in a sense, an ultra marathon. The only difference is you get a bunch of breaks in between. Mm-hmm. Now, the way it's designed, it's not like those breaks are the best because you only have three hours. Those breaks are kind of part of the suffering. Exactly. Because you get home, you cool down, you stretch, you hydrate. You eat some food, mm-hmm. and then the most sleep you can get between reps is two hours. Yeah. And really, you want to wake up before two hours so you can start stretching again to get ready for the next one. Yeah. This morning, after my uh, 4 a.m. run, um, one of the guys who's been running with us, uh, who's Paul's cousin, mm-hmm. and um, he is an ultramarathon runner. Okay. He's run multiple ones. And he was saying, he's like, man, he's like, this is a different type of beast. He's like, to be honest, he said, these breaks are pretty brutal, yeah. you know, for that very reason. And so 
the the suffering you go through on this, it's something you can't train for. That's the hardest part about it. If you're going to go run an ultra, you can train for it by working throughout the year, running longer distances, conditioning your body, getting used to that long distance. Like you cannot train for sleep deprivation, body soreness, lack of recovery, um, inflammation, all the things that happen that it doesn't matter how good in shape you are. Those things are going to happen. Right. So it, it certainly is a, a battle of the mind. Yeah, I would say though you can't you can't even pretend to run an ultra marathon without a bunch of training. Yeah, for sure. This is something if you can run four miles, then you can do the endurathon. And I don't think whether you're a great runner or, or a terrible runner, but you can run four miles, it's going to be that much easier or harder based right. on that because it, it really makes it you know a miserable experience mm-hmm. for whatever level you are really what you're testing is your mental fortitude exactly and i love doing this event for the nehemiah project because it it really does um parallel what we do especially for our addiction recovery clients i mean the struggle that they go through mentally every day fighting the temptation fighting the urges that that they're like uh, substances themselves have addictive qualities um, just like anything else, you know, pornography, whatever we're, we're dealing with. And it's a, it's a long distance thing. Like you got to fight that every day. Yeah. You know, our addiction recovery program is a year. We made it a year just because that's how long it really takes to get where you have some control over it, if you will. Like you have some freedom from it and you're now in a place usually at that point to be able to continue that journey. But, um, but hanging in there for a year, denying your flesh, right. working on the same sin over and over again, mm-hmm. it takes the same type of mental um, fortitude and renewing your mind consistently, constantly. And like I said, it's a great parallel just to our every person's battle with sin. Yeah, you know? yeah, because you know what you need to do. It's simple. Just like you just got to run four miles. It's not the mm-hmm. hardest thing in the world, but you right. got to do it. It's challenging. You don't get to choose when you got to do it. And it's the same with fighting sin. You don't get to choose when the sin that you need to fight is going to come, you know, knocking. So for this, since we're on the end of it, what's been, it's your first time doing it. What's been the the hardest things you've wrestled with yourself throughout this weekend? Uh, Well, for me personally, the guys I was running with, are much better runners than me. Like they just naturally run at a faster pace. Right. But I really wanted to run with them, but I'm not, I'm not trained. Like I don't have the, right. the speed or the endurance. And so for me, it was like, man, I really want to, I want all three of us to run together each time. Mm-hmm. But I just kept lagging behind the past four yeah. loops or so. So that was just tough for me. Like, man, I, I want to be up there with them. But then again, it's not about how fast you run. Mm-mm. And in life, I mean, people are going to be better than you. Mm-hmm. People are going going to excel quick, more quickly than you at a certain thing. Yeah. And it's not about the results that you get. It's about the process. It's about the faithfulness. It's about uh, how you how you handle adversity. Mm. Like, are you hard on yourself, you know, versus mm. like, cause really being hard on yourself is kind of a prideful thing in a way. Right. Mm-hmm. Because like, who am I to think I should be better than them or as good as them? Like, right. it's great that they're better runners. Yeah. And it's great that I'm running at the speed I'm going. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So that was really what I struggled with the most. And um, that was good because I felt like it, it gave me an exercise into saying, hey, Josh, you're not like so good at every single thing. You know, <laughs> chill yeah. out, be be third best yeah. and just be happy with that because you're being faithful. That's what mm-hmm. really matters. What about you? Sort of similar, although I'd already resolved not to not to try to keep up because I was in a right. I was in a heat with same thing. Plenty who are much better uh, runners than right. me, um, and I knew in a little the little training that we did, like I knew the pace that I could set, I could m- maintain. That was a decently fast pace, but not like the fast as someone who's like a marathon runner would right. set. So what that did for me, the here's where the hard part came in for me. I was fine with that, but I ended up running alone a lot. Mm. And especially in those wee hours when my body was hurting, yeah, there was a ton of like temptation to walk. Mm-hmm. There's a couple times I contemplated like turning around early. Oh yeah, but like fighting, like no, have integrity, go the whole way. Mm-hmm. Even if you got to walk for a second, and then I started doing like, all right, I want to walk for thirty seconds, then I'm going to run as long as I can go. Then I walk for thirty seconds, I'll go. So that mental battle in the middle of the night, yeah. no one's around, but determined to finish. I, I want to finish at least 50 minutes. I didn't want to be like going over the hour. Right. So those that was the the hardest part for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you know, that's true too. Sometimes we do fight our battles alone, mm-hmm. right? We don't have the people around us, which is an ideal. You know, God's <laughs> given us a body that, that we should be able to lean on and... Mm-hmm. But sometimes you're going to fight it on your own. That and just the pain. <laughs> I mean, let's just be real. <laughs> later in the race or later in the endurathon, everything's inflamed. Sometimes it feels like knives are in my ankles. Or Oh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, that, like doing that for four miles straight or for 50 minutes, like. Yeah, when you run tough. long distances. Uh, the running has a way of finding every single thing mm-hmm. that can hurt on your body. Mm-hmm. Like we were just talking, my abs were sore yeah. as if I was doing a bunch of sit-ups. Right. My ankle, my Achilles tendon is yeah. like on fire. I've never felt that before. You know, right. just yeah. all these random little, oh, I did, like I thought my knee was going to give me trouble. Mm-hmm. No, it was fine. It's yeah. the top of my foot. <laughs> yeah. <What? laughs> a couple of times my traps were really tight and yeah. sore. Like I must have been like overcompensating or something. Right. I think that comes from the way you kind of hold your right. arms when you run. But anyways, um, what are we saying here? Well, it's just, like I said, it's working through the mental battles. Like yeah. there, there were a ton of mental battles right. that we worked through. And like we kind of engineered a way for us to get out of our comfort zone, mm-hmm. get for, get faced with some of the wrong beliefs and way we handle life mm-hmm. and have to work through them. And honestly, it was, cool. it, was, it was like ki- therapy. It was kind of a cool thing for me, too, in terms of just for my own spirituality, because I, I spent a lot of those times alone listening to sermons or praying or, you know, and thinking about what I'm learning in this regard. Right. And, um, yeah, I felt like I I grew a little bit spiritually over this weekend yeah. in that way. That's good. So that's been cool. Well, good deal. Hopefully, this is an ongoing thing. I will not be doing it again. But <laughs> yeah, I've I'd, already recruited Ben to be the team captain for TMP next year. Good for him to put a, his own team together. <laughs> yeah, 
and I will be here supporting and cheering them on. Same. I'll come run one or two loops. That's right. That's what I said. I'll be a, I'll be a loop runner. Yeah. All right. Well, and then just a special thanks to anybody listening who either volunteered or came and support ran or was a runner with a team. Yeah. Like, I think y'all raised a, a good amount of money yeah. and awareness, you know, which I don't is know what we're trying to do. I don't know what the final number is, but it's, I think it's over 30 grand, which is wow. fantastic, which, you know, last year was less than half of that. So that's super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and the awareness factor for this is a big deal for us. So the amount of no- social media presence and, new people we met and more probably people probably had a couple hundred people in and out over the weekend yeah and that just goes so far because people learn about who we are what we do then when they have people in their life who really need hope and are struggling then they recommend them to come to seek counseling and ultimately it leads to us sharing the gospel with people so yeah um so i'm super excited about all that well good deal and just a reminder this was the Endurathon for the Nehemiah Project. Their website is tnproject.org. Org. O-R-G. So you can find out more information about them. They also have a podcast, mm-hmm. the Nehemiah Project podcast, yep. right? Um, where they talk about a lot of these biblical counseling um, subjects. Mm-hmm. Him and Mike break it down and a bunch of other guests. So check them out if uh, you want to keep listening and hearing more about it. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, let's... Uh, check out our next beatitude. Yeah. The merciful receive mercy. Blessed yes. are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. This is Matthew 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I don't think I've described this yet, but so many commentators have tried to organize the beatitudes and basically, okay, why did Jesus say these here what order is it in like mm-hmm. what's the deal and the best one i found was martin lloyd jones and this is what he says and i don't think i've shared this yet but basically the beatitudes are progressive um, but they're not as if you get one and then you drop it and you go to the next one and you drop it mm-hmm. you gain the first one poor in spirit and you move on to or then you gain mournful and you you maintain both of them all the time mm-hmm. all of these are all true about all christians mm-hmm. And so the way he describes it is it's like a mountain. So as you're climbing the mountain, you're dealing with porn spirit, mournful, and meekness. And so those three are on the first side of the mountain. And then you get to the top of the mountain, and you're dealing with hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Essentially, this is the first thing you do as a Christian. The first three are states of mind and states of soul and state of your heart. This is how you view yourself. And then the, the climax of the mountain is hungering and thirsting for righteousness, which is, we mm-hmm. talked about last week, being like Christ. So now we're on the other side of the mountain going down. We're going to deal with being merciful, being pure in heart, and being mm-hmm. a peacemaker. And then all of that leads to the Christian in persecution. Yeah. So I just wanted to kind of set the stage for how this is structured. This can help you remember them. And each of the Beatitudes on this, the back half of the mountain coincide with one on the front side. So merciful right. coincides with porn spirit. When you are porn spirit, you're going to naturally be merciful to others. Right. Absolutely. Now to give us uh, some gra- uh, ground here, um, let me define what mercy is. Okay. So when we say blessed are the merciful, this is just the dictionary definition, but I think it does a good job because it's also what the biblical definition would be as well. Yeah. Which is compassion Mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone, 
whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Mm-hmm. So they, someone has done something that deserves punishment, but you're choosing to show compassion or forgiveness, even though you would be within your right to punish. Mm-hmm. I would build on that a little bit too by distinguishing mercy from grace mm-hmm. because they're both very similar, but we see them used in the Bible in different ways. And so mm-hmm. God in his grace and God in his mercy are two different things. And the way I forget which commentator uh, wrote about this, but basically God, grace is how one can respond to sin and mercy is how one responds to someone's misery. So God's grace is that he sent his son to die for us on the cross right. and remove our sin through our belief and faith. But he did that out of mercy because he right. saw us in a miserable condition in our sin, lost and hopeless with no way to get to heaven or back to him, mm-hmm. what we were created for. He had mercy on us because we were in that position. So then that moved mm-hmm. him to be gracious to us by sending his son. Right. To forgive us of our sins. <clears throat> right. And so the lesson here that we're seeing, bless the, it's the blessed are the merciful. So you are blessed if you show mercy, for you will receive mercy. And it's an interesting, it kind of feels like a... You could read it wrong. Right? Contractual thing. If you show yeah. mercy, you'll get it. But if you don't, you won't get it. Right. So how do you ever get forgiven of your sins? Right. 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 But you but you were talking about it all builds upon itself, mm-hmm. poor in spirit. And so <clears throat> for those who display the heart and character of Christ, who is one who shows mercy, then that's showing that you are in Christ and you will receive mercy, which is the mercy that we're shown for our sin in Christ. Right. And really we see that drawn out for us in Matthew 18, the parable of the unforgiving servant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It wasn't that. And I mean, let's just recap the parable. I don't want to read the whole thing cause it's, you know, like 20 verses, mm-hmm. but basically there's a man who had a ton of debt against a, a, a Lord. Right. It was. And when Jesus tells a parable, the amount of debt is, is more, uh, money than that was in circulation at the time. Like it's, it's like saying $10 trillion mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. And he forgives him of the debt mm-hmm. and lets the man go. Well, the first thing the guy does is he goes and he finds his peer who owes him some money and he demands that that peer gives him money. Right. And so Jesus based or the Lord, cause this is a parable. Uh, the Lord said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the, that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Right. So what he's saying is not you earn God's forgiveness, but rather you display that you have truly received God's forgiveness mm-hmm. by how you live in relation to other right. people. Yeah, mercy is an indicator. Exactly. Right. It's and a, all of these beatitudes are indicators. Right. If you are one who is merciful, who shows compassion, who loves your neighbor as yourself in all, in all these ways, it's an indicator that you have received the mercy of Christ. Right. Which is what this beatitude is really showing us. Right. 
Conversely, it's also true. If you're one who continually tries to uh, get justice or see someone get what they deserve or can't let anything go or aren't gracious or compassionate, then it's an indicator that you must not have received the love of Christ mm-hmm. and his forgiveness. Because when we, are, uh, when we are transformed by the gospel, when we come into salvation or are justified, one of the things that happens is the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us, which is God himself and is the seal of our promised Holy Spirit, uh, uh, it's the seal of, the, of our inheritance, the promised Holy Spirit. This is Ephesians 1, I think it's verses 13 and 14. And it's, it's the fruit of the Spirit that begins to be displayed in your life because God is transforming you through sanctification from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit is going to display His character in your life. And that's one of the characters of God is that He's merciful. Right. If you read Exodus 34, when God walks before Moses and and proclaims his character, mercy is one of the characteristics in his character. Right. So it would be an impossibility to have God himself living within you and not have mercy being displayed in your heart. Right. Because if he lives within you, you are poor in spirit. Right. You are mournful. You are meek. Mm-hmm. You're hungering, hungering and thirsting for Christ-likeness. So the mercy should follow Mm -hmm. just naturally. Mm -hmm. So that's what it means that um, blessed are those who are merciful. But then we have the issue of, well, what does that mean? We'll receive mercy because we've already received mercy for our sins, right? We've already been forgiven. Mm -hmm. So what other mercy is there to receive? So there's a few different uh, things. This is from Matthew Henry in his commentary, and, and he broke it out in all F's. So you can still have ongoing forgiving mercy, right? There's a continuous forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. You can still go to God and repent for the sins that you commit. And you should. And they, they deem that kind of parental forgiveness, if you will. Right. You're already the, a son or a child, but you still need to repent and confess sin and be forgiven because it's that sanctification and that kind of keeping the relationship pure with your father. Right, because it's not like God saves you and then keeps you just like that. He he has a continuous ongoing work of sanctification happening inside of you. Right. And one of the big hinges of that is a continuous uh, life of repentance and mm-hmm. receiving mercy from him. So um, that's forgiving mercy. You can also have financial mercy, mm-hmm. which this is just, we're trying to alliterate the F's here, but basically every single thing that God provides to you is a mercy. Yeah. Right. Everything in your bank account, everything in your refrigerator, your house, your cars, everything you own, every asset is a mercy that God did not have to give you. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's financial mercy. You also have a fitness mercy, which is (laughs) kind of a stretch here, but this is your health, right? Like everything, every day you're on this planet is a mercy from God. Right. You don't, you're not promised today. You're not promised tomorrow. Um, I had a cross-reference here, but it's not showing up. So the next one is final mercy. Um, Timothy, or 2 Timothy one eighteen says, May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day, the Lord's day. So although we've been forgiven fully, there will be a day when we finally realize that forgiveness. When we see those who didn't receive forgiveness 
be cast into hell mm-hmm. and we enter into heaven, that's when we'll fully receive that final mercy. Yeah. And I think the eternal perspective of heaven and hell gives the full picture of the amount of mercy you've been given. And that's really what it comes back to as well. You show someone else mercy when you understand how much mercy you've been shown. Hmm. If you don't really understand the the depravity of your sin, how much your sin deserves judgment, and you walk around entitled or thinking that you've deserved some of the mercy. Like, you know, God saved me, but I was a pretty good dude. Like, I, I kind of deserved it. Right. Then you're not going to be merciful, which then indicates maybe you don't actually trust Christ as Lord. Mm-hmm. Right? You could easily be religious and quote-unquote Christian and not be truly saved. Right. And so when you understand, and this once again, this is that mountain you talked about, when you're a poor in spirit, mm-hmm. when you're a mourner, you realize how much judgment you deserve right? and how much you've been forgiven. So when someone else sins against you or messes up, your response usually or should be to understand that you are also sinful just like that person and have compassion. Uh, honestly, you should feel more sorry for people who are lost mm-hmm. and have compassion, not like look down on them, but you've received this gift right? that you didn't earn, that you deserve the same type of wrath they deserve, and you would be just as sinful as that person in the, in the way of your conduct without Christ. So when people are sinful, it should make you want to show compassion and use that as an opportunity to share the gospel and the mercy you received. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say is kind of an application is you can start looking at people in your life who may have sinned against you and asking yourself, how do you view them? Do you view them? And you may not like this terminology. You may have a better way to say it, mm-hmm. but in a way they're a victim of their sin, mm-hmm. right? Like it's not necessarily the person that's doing it to you, although it is, mm-hmm. but it's a result of sin and in a fallen world. Yeah. And so having that, that viewpoint, I know like the victim mentality is, can be, can be taken to an extreme and be very wrong Mm -hmm. and unhelpful, but just looking at it through that lens, like, yeah, yeah, we live in a fallen world of they're a lost person. They're going to act like a lost person. Yeah. And even a Christian who is being sanctified slowly. Well, God's been merciful to me, so I need to continue to be merciful to them. Yeah. I think it's a good place to end. That's, Hopefully this is helpful. Hopefully this allows you to view the people around you with a heart of compassion and brokenness over sin, not with judgment and judgmentalism. Yeah. And lastly, it, it will show you the, um, the ongoing need for sanctification in your own life because this is never over. That's right. Being merciful. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. We're going to go take a long nap yeah. and recover, and we will see you later. Later.